You're listening to Scaling Up Services, where we speak with entrepreneurs, authors, business experts, and thought leaders to give you the knowledge and insights you need to scale your service-based business faster and easier. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeld. Welcome, everyone. This is Scaling Up Services. I'm Bruce Eckfeld, and I'm your host. And our guest today is Jerry Detweiler, and she is business credit and financing expert at NAV. And we're going to learn a little bit more about how you can finance your growth, how you can get better cash into the business to help grow and scale. So with that, Jerry, welcome to the program. Thank you, Bruce. I always like to start with uh, learning a little bit about the guests themselves. So why don't we hear a little bit about your background, how you got into focusing on finance and helping individuals and companies with finding cash, finding capital to help finance businesses and operations? Well, I literally fell into my what I'm known as, which is a credit expert. And after college, I was in DC and I fell into a job with a consumer advocacy group. And we were doing really cool things like testifying in front of Congress on legislation to tell consumers how much their credit card cost before they got it in the mail, (laughs) (laughs) which used to be a thing you didn't know. And working on legislation to give consumers free credit uh, reports and scores for the first time. Time and just really, really interesting stuff. So I wrote my first book, The Ultimate Credit Handbook, and it was the first mass market book that talked about FICO scores way back in the day. Uh-huh. And more recently, about 10 years ago, I was introduced to small business attorney and rich dad advisor, Garrett Sutton. Yeah. And Garrett travels the country talking to small business owners. And he said, you know, I have a lot of my clients and people I talk to who are spending a lot of money trying to build business credit. And sometimes it's a ripoff. And what can we do to help them? So we collaborated. And eventually we wrote my latest book, Finance Your Own Business, together. And in the course of that, I shifted over to focusing on small business and uh, I interviewed the CEO of NAV and I loved what they were doing. And when the book came out, I ended up joining them full time. So now I devote myself <laughs> full time to yeah. educating small business owners on business credit and finance. But I will say also that I was self-employed for about 16 years yeah. in a service business as a consultant and yeah. freelance writer. And so I have experienced the headaches that many small business owners go through in terms of cash flow. It seems like the bigger the client, the longer longer they take to pay. Oh my and, gosh, yeah, yeah. So I've, I've been there as well. Yeah, good. So I'm excited for this. So why don't we talk about kind of credit in general, and then we can kind of dig into, you know, sort of business credit or credit related to businesses and talk about, you know, kind of services, because I think there are some uh, particularities when it comes to service businesses. So uh, let's just kind of lay out credit. So, they'll, they'll, you know, explain how credit works right now. So you mentioned FICO, you mentioned you know, the the kind of scores that you get around credit. Give us a quick kind of overview of how the credit rating system, how, how you get credit and how that works. Yeah. So there are three major credit bureaus, Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion. They all collect information about us as consumers, how we pay our bills, they package and sell it to employers, insurance companies, to credit card companies, etc. Mm-hmm. FICO is the, they're the recipe for the credit score. They don't have any credit data at all. I find people are very confused about that. Yeah. In addition, a few years ago, the bureaus, started their own competitor to FICO called Vantage Score. And Vantage Score is used by some lenders. It doesn't have the market penetration that FICO does because FICO has been around since the 1950s, Mm -hmm. but it is used. And you'll often see a Vantage Score when you're getting a free credit score from a service like NAV or if you have Credit Karma or something like that, you'll see a Vantage Score. It's cheaper to provide a free score when they don't have to pay FICO for that score. Got it. But here's the biggest, the number one misconception I hear about FICO scores. People always want to know what's my real score, what's my true score, what's my right score. Yeah. And we have three bureaus, but in addition, 
FICO has many different models. They have over 40 different credit scoring models. So it depends on what the lender is using and the oh, lender can also customize it. So that's why when you che- you're checking your own credit score and then you go to the car dealer and they pull up a different credit score, it could be the same bureau, same data, but it's a different score. You're like, well, why is this different? It's because they're trying to predict how you're going to pay an auto loan. And maybe the one you're looking at is from your credit card company and they're trying to predict how you're going to pay a credit card. So there's no single score. So they're like different algorithms. So basically, the FICO is really a set of algorithms or calculations, and it basically pulls the raw kind of credit data, and then will weight it and and kind of the math will be slightly different depending on the application. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. All right. Yeah. So 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 this, the bureaus out there, uh, or or you know FICO's out there. You have these bureaus. There's lots of different kind of algorithms against it. So I guess what goes into the credit score that as kind of raw material generally? The two major factors. That- that they're going to look at is your payment history and your debt. And on payment history, they're going to look at a lot of weight will be given to negative items. So if you don't have negative items like collection accounts, bankruptcies, late payments, yeah. charge-offs, things like that, that helps a lot. Got but it. you do need a few accounts reporting. So I have to, I have seen consumers who just have maybe, well, my dad's a perfect example. He got a letter from his insurance company saying he didn't get the best discount on his auto insurance because of his credit. And it's just not because he doesn't have good credits because he his house is paid for, his car is paid for, he yeah. doesn't have much, right? There's not much data there to go on. So, and then the debt side, it's really, uh, people ask me all the time, well, I have $150,000 in credit card limits. Doesn't that make me look like a risk because I could run out and charge it up tomorrow? Mm -hmm. And the truth is FICO doesn't care what your credit limits total. What they care is how you're managing them. So they'll look at the credit limit compared to the balance. And as you start getting closer and closer to that balance on your credit limits, even on one card, like a, a retail card with a low limit, that can bring down your credit score. Got it. Got it. So it's like a, it's a ratio percentage, not not an absolute. Exactly. Number. And yeah. there's no there's no magic number. Uh, you'll see thirty percent. You'll see fifty percent. What I say is most consumers can get away with a debt a debt usage ratio of about twenty five percent, which means your your Got balance it. on your credit report is about twenty five percent of your credit limit. Okay. But if you have a short credit history, like you're younger, for example, then I find you might have to stay below twenty percent because just because a little bit of swing could have more of an impact. Got it. And the other one you mentioned, I think is interesting is that if you don't have any history, that's actually not good. <laughs> like Correct. if you don't have you're not if you don't have any any debt or any credit usage or any credit active, that uh, that actually reduces your score. Right. Because yeah. they just don't have enough data Got to it. predict how you're going to manage future debt. So it really ticks people off, especially people who, you know, follow the debt is always bad crowd, but you can use your credit card like a debit card and just pay it in full each month. And yeah. that's you know, that helps you build credit. Yeah. So that's personal credit. How do companies deal with business credit? Because we're now talking about a business entity, and I don't know if there's a difference in, in terms of how credit is considered between the different types of entities, but how do they look at business credit? Yeah, and, and before I jump into that, let me just sure. mention one thing related to personal credit that I see all the time with small business owners. And this is one of the biggest sort of mistakes or gotchas. Yep. They use a personal credit card for their business, and maybe mm. they separate. They don't put anything else on that credit card but their business purchases. Great. But then what can happen is that activity is showing up on their personal credit. And even if they're paying it in full each month, 
the high balances that are getting reported, because your credit card company doesn't wait till you pay your bill off to report yeah. to the bureaus. They report at the end of the close of the billing cycle when they yeah. say, here's how much you owe us. And so those high debt usage ratios, I'll give you a quick example. I was in a, I was speaking at a workshop for a small business advisors. And one of the advisors said, yeah, he said, I had a client who financing fell through at the last minute. So she put about $125,000 in, in yeah. debt on her personal credit cards. She paid it on time each month, but her mm-hmm. credit score went way down because of the balances in comparison to the credit limits. A year in, her business was successful. She was able to refinance with an SBA loan. Mm-hmm. She paid that debt off and her credit score jumped 125 points. Yeah. Yeah. It can make a big difference. And when we say putting personal credit card, I mean, this is the difference between just opening a credit card in your name personally and and actually going to a bank and saying, I want to have a, a credit card open against the business. Now, you may need to... Now, do you have to do a personal guarantee on that card, but still run it still run it as a business card? Or how do you set how do you set up a credit card to be a business credit card? Yeah. So most of the major issuers, all of them now, offer a, a business credit card. And I do have an article if you just go to... And we can put this in the show notes yeah, too, but nav, nav.com forward slash report. That lists all the major credit card issuers. A few of them do report to personal in all cases, Mm -hmm. but many of them don't. They only report if you don't pay because you will sign a personal guarantee. There will be a credit check on on you personally. That's what they're looking at. And there will be a personal guarantee. But if you pay it on time, it doesn't impact your personal credit at all. So that's, you know, that's one way to go. The other thing I get, the question is, well, can I get a small business card without a personal guarantee? And usually what happens is you need your business to get to the point where you have a couple million dollars in revenue, at least a couple years old, sort of you're not making the financial decisions anymore because you have a CFO doing it. And then you can apply for what's called a corporate card. And so a corporate card is a step up from a small business card. And that's where the CEO is not going to have a personal guarantee because the company is financially large and stable and enough to carry it the risk themselves. Yeah. So they they feel like there's there's enough credit risk worthiness of the company itself to actually put it against. And then now... Does that require any kind of reporting or anything in terms of financials from the company point of view to the credit? Yes. Yeah. You're getting yeah. to the stage where it's going to be, a, there's going to be some negotiation and yeah. it's going to be, yeah, it's it's not based on you anymore. It's based on the company's financials and business credit bureaus, which you just asked about, they yeah. don't, they, they may report some financial information if it's available to them, but generally just like income on your personal credit report isn't a thing yeah. uh, on business credit, it's not generally considered very reliable information. So so if a lender wants to see your income from your business, they're going to want to see bank statements, tax returns, and other official documents. Yeah, I got it. So, and how does the business credit bureau, I mean, are there, do the the three major bureaus also report on business entities or is there separate? They do, yes. Yeah, so okay. on the business side, TransUnion only is consumer. So there's no TransUnion for got business, it. but Equifax and Experian both have commercial credit agencies and those are completely, databases are completely separated yeah. from the consumer. And then there's also Dun & Bradstreet, which yeah. you may have heard of Bruce. Sure. They've been around forever. They've yep. had four U.S. presidents work for them. Abraham Lincoln worked <laughs> for them as a reporter back in the day. So they've been around forever. And what's really interesting to me, see, coming from my background, where 20 years ago, I'd do a workshop and someone say, well, I've never heard of FICO scores. I don't know what this is. Now I talk to business owners and the large majority of them, if, if I do a poll in a workshop, yeah. it will be 70% don't know business credit. It's just foreign to them. And one of the reasons I, I believe is because there's no federal regulation and actually no state regulation either of business credit, there's no disclosure requirements. So they don't have to give you a free copy. They don't have to tell you if you turn down based on it. There's no notification required. So you may get turned down for financing and never know that your business credit played a role in that decision because they don't have to tell you that. Interesting. Okay. So that's, so that's kind of credit score, credit worthiness. So let's talk about options 
available to business owners and kind of tier it a little bit if we want. So if I'm a business owner and I'm looking and I need capital or I need, you know, I need cash to help finance the business, I guess my first question is how important is the use of that capital in terms of figuring out which resource or which rich source of capital I, I should be looking at? How much do you consider that in that question? You know, usually when I'm talking to a small business owner, what I want them to put first in mind in terms of what you're going to get, think about your revenues, your time in business and your credit, both business and personal. Mm -hmm. Yes, the use of capital is important. If you don't want to borrow short-term money when you need long-term money or vice versa, right? But there's so much um, going on right now in the small business fintech world that I think we have to think a little bit in terms of a faster for the small business owner, because now you can go online and literally some of these online lenders make a decision in seven minutes. Yeah, yeah. So, a so you're scary. really, <laughs> it is. And you're thinking more like, what can I get? Not, not how am I going to use it, yeah, right? How much yeah. can I get? And that's the most common question I hear from a small business owner. But I do think stepping back and like you said, thinking, how am I going to use it? And more importantly, how is this going to help me make money? How will this help me scale up? If you're just thinking in terms of, well, how much can I get? Let me throw some money at a problem or a challenge in my business. Then you're probably not thinking about it the right way. Yeah. And and the sort of short term versus long term, I think is one of the bigger ones, which is, you know, if I'm, if I've got a contract opportunity and I, you know, it's going to take me 60 or 90 days to collect on an invoice. And so I need kind of a bridge financing to be able to get me to that payment date versus if I've got to go out and buy, you know, a bunch of equipment or, um, you know, invest in in some resource that is going to, you know, pay for itself over 24 months or 36 months, you know, matching kind of the return, the, you know, the return, how do I make money on that with my, uh, the, the structure of that, uh, of that debt or of that, that credit, I think is key. Like you don't want to, you don't want to do a short term, you know, short term vehicle if, if you really need something that's going to last for 36 months and vice versa. There's no point in taking, you know, a long term debt scenario if you're going to get paid in 60 days and 90 days. You know, that's the one that I think a lot of people kind of end up struggling with or not thinking about is like, what, what is the, what's the uh, runway or what's the time frame look like? Yeah, exactly. And, and some of the very short term types of financing, they build in the cost right up front. So, you know, no matter what, you're going to pay that cost up front. Some of the longer term financing, you may, for example, let's say you get a line of credit, you tap it when you need it. Let's say you're going to need 50,000 this month, but then you're not going to need more for another few months then a line of credit might make sense because you pull the money when you need it and you only pay for what you're using as opposed to something where you get a a fixed amount of money for a a short fixed period of time and you're paying right up front for that money even if you haven't tapped it yet. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a much more flexible tool. Now that flexibility has some cost to it or how, I guess, how do these compare in terms of, you know, net fees, you know, net interest fees, cost of capital? Well, cost is a really fun issue to talk about when it comes to business financing. And the reason is, with consumer financing, when we're comparing any type of financing, we always compare the APR, right? There's always an annual percentage rate and it's standard across all consumer lending. There is no such requirement on the business side. So other than a brand new law that just was passed, the first Truth in Lending Act for business just passed in California has not been implemented yet. Other than that, there's really no requirements for any kind of consistency. So it can be very confusing. I'll give you a quick example. There was a story in Forbes of a hair salon owner. She was looking to expand. 
she got a, a term sheet for some financing and on the term sheet it said 15%. So in her head, she's thinking 15% APR. Mm-hmm. Well, that financing was run through a calculator that translated the cost to, to APR and we have free calculators anyone can use at the NAV website for that. Yeah. And the APR, well, take a guess, Bruce. Take a uh, guess. 15, I'm going to say 19%. It was actually over 4,000% What? APR. Yeah. What? So explain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it wasn't clear. Most of them will will explain it in terms of they. I don't, and I don't remember exactly what they where they were getting their fifteen percent from. It might have been a fifteen percent daily. I don't remember. Oh, geez. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. You know, but it just was not. And it, there's no uniformity. And then a lot of these. Isn't that usury at some point? I mean, when, when does uh, loan shark laws start to apply on some of these things? You know, you would think so, but here's the deal with small business. Most states and the federal government have have left small business. out of these requirements because the theory is that small business owners are sophisticated enough to hire professional advisors to help them review contracts and make good decisions. But we all know 98% of small businesses in America are one people businesses. And they're they're time starved. They're maybe cash starved. They don't don't have the time for (laughs) sleep deprived. (laughs) That's where you make those late night loan decisions, right? Uh, That 1 a.m. click that costs you 15%. Yeah. Yeah. So one thing I just encourage small business owners is to really look at the cost. If you don't understand it, talk to your you know accountant or advisor, a small business development center, your coach, your consultant, whoever you're working with to get a second opinion and make sure you understand it. We do offer free calculators at NAV. You just go to nav.com forward slash calculator and you can plug in the numbers and translate it to an APR. So at least then you can compare. Sometimes high cost financing, higher cost financing does make sense. But sometimes business owners getting this financing thinking it's cheap and then they discover, oh, hey, if I had put that on my 18% credit card, I would have been better off. Well, it's particularly short term and paid it off fairly quickly. You can often get, you know, you can get 30 days without, you know, without a whole lot of cost. What about other fees? Because I think that's the other thing I've seen come up is, you know, you'll have these percentage rates, but then there's, you know, a $250 application fee or, you know, these other things that start creeping in, which, or I guess the other thing I've seen is uh, fees for paying things off early or, you know, particularly when you're a structured, you know, a, a term loan of some sorts. Do you see that come up? How do, how do you, or what advice or checklist do you give people in terms of checking those those issues? Yeah, absolutely. So on the front end, you could have an origination or an application fee or mm-hmm. both. Mm-hmm. You could have a draw fee. So every time you take money off out, there is a cost that includes a fee associated with it. Yeah. And then you could have a prepayment penalty. Now, some will say we don't have a prepayment penalty, but like I mentioned earlier, they front load the interest. So you're going to pay that or the, the cost. They don't. They may say it's not interest because they yeah. say it's not a loan, but yeah. they say it's an advance. But they front load the cost. So no matter what, if you pay it back in 10 days or 100 days, you've already, you've already it, baked it. that cost in. And that's very common in the merchant cash advance and business cash advance world where you're getting an advance on the credit card or Amazon or PayPal sales that you're expecting to make in the in the near future. Got it. Got it. Okay. So let's, let's just kind of walk through some the, the different options typically that come up. So if I'm a, a, a small business owner and I'm, you know, I have need for a chunk of capital uh, to help finance the business, where do I start or what's the, uh, what are the kind of general categories that I can start looking at? 
Yes. If you've been in business, so if, let's go back to that revenue, time in business yep. and ca- credit. If you've been in business for at least two years, you have at least $100,000 in revenue and you have decent personal and hopefully business credit, you're mm-hmm. going to have a lot of options. It. It's when you don't meet any of those three that your options start becoming more limited. So a great example is if you don't have great credit, what are you looking at? Well, you might be looking at invoice factoring where they're advancing you money on an invoice that you're owed and they are, they're really concerned about your client's credit as opposed to your credit. This is one of the reasons that merchant cash advances or business cash advances are po- so popular because they're just looking at your credit card sales over the last you know three, six, nine months, and they're going to advance you because they expect a certain amount of credit card sales to come in in the future, and they're going to pull right out of those sales before the money even hits your account. Yeah, right? so, they, so they, they actually get paid the credit card fee and then or the credit card transaction, then they give you the remainder. <laughs> yeah, you get what's left yeah. after their fee comes yeah. out. So, so and well those protected. don't those don't care about good credit. Then we have some lenders, like some micro lenders, CDFIs that are more credit. You know, and listen, I talk to small business owners all the time whose credit is challenged because their business goes through ups and downs, and sometimes yeah. they can take a paycheck, and sometimes they can't. Right? Yeah. If a client's slow to pay, they they don't get paid, yeah. and so credit challenges are very common scenario. And I, you know, understand and appreciate that. And then we, of course, have the other sort of, I wouldn't call them outliers because they're very popular, but ones that we don't think of as traditional financing, but things like crowdfunding where Mm -hmm. they don't care about your credit at all. It's really based on how well you can sell the concept or whatever you're, you're trying to sell. So that would be one thing. If you have, if all three are strong, revenue, time and business and credit, then really you have the opportunity to look at some really good financing like bank financing or SBA guaranteed financing. Okay. Now, the challenge we have these days, and Fed Research has borne this out, they they look at small business lending in, in many different ways. The challenge is that many banks have pulled back on smaller dollar lending, which for many banks is anything either $500,000 or less or $250,000 or less. So you may think, well, why wouldn't my bank want to give me $150,000 loan? Yeah. And the bank's thinking, it's going to cost me six grand to underwrite that loan. So I want to make a $1.5 million loan, not a $150,000 loan. So don't take it personally. Yeah. No, it's (laughs) just the transaction costs. I mean, the transaction costs, the deal costs are fixed. So they'd rather spread that over a much bigger loan than than deal with smaller loans where it's just going to eat away at their profit. Right. And their compliance costs. As a federally regulated and state regulated financial institution, they have a lot of compliance costs that maybe some alternative lenders don't. So that's where the alternative lending has just really, really popped up. But if I were a business that was two years in business that, you know, good revenue and good credit, I would look first to a traditional financial institution. I would also Uh check out SBA guaranteed financing. And SBA, many business owners don't know of. They do have a a microloan program that's $50,000 or less. So that's worth checking into. There's not a ton of financial institutions institutions that offer it, but it's worth checking into. On the SBA and, stuff, the, the one the one thing that I've heard a lot of people give me feedback is that the process can take a while, the documentation, the the application process is kind of complicated. Is that is that true or is that can you navigate that fairly efficiently? It's very true. It's it's yeah. absolutely very true. But we do uh, at NAV we're a marketplace and we do partner with one intermediary that works, tries to get it done in 30 days or less using uh-huh. technology. But this is, you know, a 
government developed program. Yeah, so it's a, I mean, if you if you need it in fifteen days, though, this is it's probably no, not a viable. No, option. you're okay. probably not looking at that. So yeah. then, so let's say you need it in fifteen days. So you're yeah. looking maybe at an online fintech lender, uh-huh. and if you have those qualifications, you you can shop around for a little bit lower cost, but it won't be presented as an APR. So you do want to again use a calculator yeah. to translate whatever they offer you to see what the APR is because an APR of 75 percent is not uncommon at all. Wow. The other thing is one thing you touched on earlier, if your needs are relatively small, and by relatively small, I'm saying maybe 50 grand or less, yep. you might be able to tap a business credit card 0% for 18 months. Yeah. A lot of us think of credit card debt as really terrible. Just yeah, you should never it's got a bad do it, thing. right? Well, I mean, I think because it's it's abused by individuals more times than not. But yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's fair. It's fair. Yeah. Now, if it was that high of loss rates, like if everybody was, they wouldn't be in business, right? But yeah. you see a typical loss rate of maybe 2 to 4% on a credit card portfolio. But yeah. so think about your credit card too, in terms of emergency cash and just compare the cost. It may or may not be the right decision. And you don't want to, here's what happens with credit cards. You're working isolated. You don't have anyone you can really talk to about how you plan to use this money. And so you don't use it in a way that's going to make money. And so then you end up deeper in debt and scrambling for the next thing. So your coach, your accountant, your advisor, whoever you trust to look at this and, you know, bounce it off of them. And they may say, do you really need to go to that conference or would you be better off putting that money towards something else? And that is where you can get some helpful feedback to decide if it makes sense to pull out the credit card or not. Yeah. Okay. So what other options? So if I'm, we talked about the sort of traditional bank financing, uh, SBA version of that. What are some of the other vehicles that I can look at? So online lines of credit and term loans are very, very popular. Also invoice factoring and invoice financing. So that's where they're looking at the invoice that are coming into your business and advancing your money for a short period of time uh-huh. so that you can get access to that money. I met someone at a conference and his company, and, and I think I mentioned earlier, I used to I used to do consulting for some yeah. large financial institutions. And these were companies that I have their credit card and they expect me to pay in 30 days, but they would take six months to, to pay me for you know the consulting work that I did for them. And I did talk to a guy who all his company does is factor or advance on invoices to companies that do business with Coca-Cola. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I yeah, He knows I get they're it. a good risk, right? Yeah. He knows they're going to pay. Yeah. So all he does is find companies that are doing business with them and need their cash faster. Yeah. Um, government contracts have gotten better. Typically, government contracts often pay in 30 days. But I've talked to business owners who get a government contract and then suddenly they have to get a different insurance policy that's expensive. They have to yeah. staff up. Yeah. They just get new computers. You have to put money in before you make money. Yeah. And that's where it is. And then I want to mention one type of financing. This is the number one type of financing utilized by small businesses, but it kind of flies under the radar and you don't find out about it till you need it. I'll give you a quick example. Our co-founder, Levi King, his first business, he's uh, founded five different businesses in different industries, but his first one was sign manufacturing in Idaho. Sure. So he built and manufactured neon signs. And he, he was raised on a farm and taught not to use credit. And then when he finally, he was, cash flow was always a problem for him, right? Because he wasn't using credit. And he didn't have any credit, so he couldn't get a loan. He tried to get an SBA loan, they laughed at him. So, So he finally, one of his suppliers said, well, you know, you can get credit from us. We'll let you get that concrete or the 
yeah. plastic or the, uh, you know, the steel that you need and not pay for it for 30 days. And he was like, a light bulb went on. Well, that's called vendor financing or trade financing. Yeah. And they don't charge, a lot of times they don't charge for it. You might lose out on a discount if you paid up front, but yeah. you don't, they don't charge for it. And you, and as you build credit with them, you can get it up to sometimes 60, 90, 120 day terms. So you yeah. can get the items you need for your business and pay for them later. Yeah. So that's one type of financing. If your business uses some kind of raw supplier material that may be helpful to improve your cash flow at a very affordable cost. Yeah, because they want your business. I mean, they ultimately, they want you to be successful because they want you to grow and they want you to order more in the future. So, you know, that's their incentive. They, they want to they make sure that you, you're able to uh, scale your company. It's going to scale their company. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I have to point to, there's a list of vendors that are really easy to get trade credit with. Even if they don't check personal credit and they have catalogs with anything a business could use. Even if you're a consultant, you get your shipping boxes or the Keurig cups for your sure. office. And they, I have a list of those at nav.com forward slash vendors with an S vendors. And they're a great way to to not only start experimenting with trade credit, but also to start building your business credit. Because just like your personal credit, your business credit, you need accounts that report and not everybody does. So you yeah. start building business credit by getting this vendor credit that's super easy to get. And then as you build those relationships and your business credit is stronger, and that opens the opportunity for additional types of financing. Yeah. Yeah. I've even seen people double them up where they get a they get a vendor credit or they get a vendor term, you know, say 60 days, and then they'll pay for it with a credit card that gives them another 30 days. <laughs> so they can they yeah. can kind of stack, you know, get, you know, buy themselves, you know, 90 days in the process if they do it right. Yeah. Well, and I'll I'll just mention that like with credit card cash advances, again, I'm I've seen plenty of horror stories with credit cards. So I don't want to be cavalier about yeah. it. I really yeah. want people to get good advice. But a lot of the credit cards, you can get a zero percent cash advance and you can have that money deposited in your bank account. So you say your vendor doesn't want to take a credit card if they extend you terms, right? Because they don't yep. want to extend you they terms and then pay the pay merchant the fee, yeah. right? Yeah. So you get the money on your credit card at 0%, put it in the bank account, and then pay those accounts. And like you said, you could buy yourself 18, 19 months that yeah. way at 0%. But as long as, you know, I think as a, one, months, as, as a strategic one time, you know, kind of getting some kind of new product, you know, running or, or a situation. Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, as an ongoing practice, it's not super sustainable. But yeah, I mean, look, you get scrappy a little bit. Uh, yeah, or that, exactly. You do get scrappy. And I'll, I'll give you another quick story. Yeah. Uh, I was on a, a a workshop for accountants. And one of the accounts reached out to me afterwards and she said, well, I sell Pandora jewelry on the side. And she said, a local jeweler is liquidating and I can get a, oh, I can yeah, get exactly. a ton of this and I know I can sell it. Right. Yep. But I need the cash. And for her, because she wasn't really positioned in that business for any kind of financing, there wasn't really a track record there. A 0% credit card could be a great idea. It could yep. give her 12 months to, to move that jewelry online. And she had enough experience that she knew that that was a good opportunity. So when you think about financing, it usually falls into one of two buckets. The one is the crisis. Something's yep. happening and oh crap, I got to make payroll or I got to pay my business taxes or whatever it is. Yep. Or two, it's the opportunity like she had where, oh, this is a great opportunity. I need to act quickly. I need to get this money fast so I can buy this jewelry and someone else doesn't get it and then I can sell it. Yep. So the one message, the thing that I try to hammer home for business owners, especially those who are scaling and growing, is prepare for the financing before you need it. Because yep. if you wait until the last minute, 
you're going to get online at midnight and you're going to end up with something that's probably not as good yeah. as what you had gotten if you prepared. So how do you prepare? Yeah, exactly. You so have, that, you <laughs> how do you, how do you your, make sure that you're in a good, you're well positioned so that when you need to make that move, you're going to get the best deal possible? Yes. So you've checked your business and personal credit. So you know that, you know, where you stand and you've been working to build strong business and personal credits because you don't know which one the lender is going to check. Then you have a business bank account and you're up to date in some way on your financials. So you could provide information about revenues. Many online lenders now, and even some traditional financial institutions now are asking to hook up to your bank account, like read only. They can't take out the money, but to, to see your revenues yep, so that time. you could prove it. But yep. if you don't have a business bank account, that's not going to happen. So that's, you know, that's a must there. And I looked at some recent survey data that we did at NAV of our customers and 30% of those in the survey who had a, a just a one person, you know, just them business did not have a business bank account. So if that's you, get a business bank account. Yeah, and then help. of course, the time in business is important and that's a function of what it is. But sometimes people will start a business sort of just experimenting. They start consulting on the side you know, pick a fixed date, you make sure you have a license with the states that they know you're doing business. And then you can use that as your date going forward and it'll be consistent. Yeah, I've seen some people that, you know, have some some quasi dormant LLCs and stuff on the side that they they keep just just to just to be able to have a founding date that shows the business has been around for a period of time, even if it's not super active. So when they have new businesses that they're starting up, they can actually use an entity that has some history that has, uh, you know, two or three years of business history in it. uh, Yeah, and that's that's a pretty powerful strategy. And if they'd gone one step further and gotten one of those vendor accounts and bought a few things and paid them off each month, they'd have a business credit history that would be more extensive too. And that goes a long way with a lot of lenders. That's one of the first questions going to ask time and business. Yeah, that's another another one. And when when we're dealing with exits and and, you know folks that are selling off businesses and going to start new businesses or do do other things on the side, you know, setting up those entities, um, you know, obviously within the any kind of covenants and constraints that they have with their current company, uh, you know, acknowledged. um, Set that up because it can help you a lot. You know, once once you do an exit and you're you're looking at building a new business, having that in place can be really helpful. Anything else that uh, business owners can do to kind of be prepared or or be in a good position when they need to go out and get financing? Yeah, well, I have a free guide, which we can put in the show notes if you like. And it lists all the major types of business financing, what the basic qualifications are in terms of credit, revenue, and time in business. And then also, you know, includes questions you can ask yourself to prepare for financing so that you're ready when you get it. But this is the eat your broccoli advice, right? (laughs) Owning a business, get prepared, do your finances. It's not the fun part of the business. But if you carve out just even literally, you know, 15 minutes once a week to go down that checklist and get prepared, then when it happens, you're going to feel a lot more confident and you're probably going to get better financing that way. Great. Jerry, this has been a pleasure. Um, If people want to find out more information about you, about NAV, what's the best place to get that. So NAV shows free business and personal credit in one dashboard. And then we have a marketplace of over 110 different financing sources that we help match borrowers to. And we will, uh, our basic account is completely free, no credit card required, but we can offer a free month of premium to your listeners as well. So they can go to nav.com forward slash free account and uh, put in the coupon code podcast. And we will be happy to upgrade them for a month so they can see the um, full detailed uh, credit reports as well. Great. Thank you for that. This has been a pleasure. I really appreciate it. Great conversation. I've learned a lot. And uh, and I think our listeners have a much better sense of how to kind of navigate the financing side of business. So this was very helpful. Oh, thank you, Bruce. You've been listening to Scaling Up Services with business coach Bruce Eckfeldt. 
To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at scalingupservices.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at scalingupservices.com slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.